Colossians 3, 1 through 17. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time, when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Good morning. Welcome. We're so glad to have you this morning at Arise Baptist Church. And Freddie just read to us from Colossians chapter 3. hope you'll take your Bibles and turn with me there this morning. That's where we'll be as we look into God's Word together today. I'm glad that you could join us, and I, I've enjoyed watching the videos that some of you have sent in. It's great to see your faces and to hear what's going on in your life, and I hope that uh, things are going well for you. I'm excited as a church to see all that God has continued to do during this time. I got a call yesterday afternoon from one of our members who was able to lead their neighbor to the Lord yesterday. What a blessing that was to be able to share Christ even during a difficult time. And I know a lot of you are, have a lot of things that are upended and different. We all have that. But God is good and He continues to bless and encourage us and provide for our needs. And we're looking forward to uh, gathering again back here at our church building together and uh, being in the same room. In fact, this week we had a group that met to begin putting some plans together. And at this point, we're looking towards Mother's Day to be able to regather, at least those who are able health-wise and, and comfort level-wise, to join us on our service Sunday morning, May the 10th. And 
I'm really looking forward to that day. If you could see what I could see in here this morning, uh, you would see we've got the, the chairs already spaced out and worked out, uh, social distancing things. We've got our hand sanitizer. We have things available. So we are ready to go, and we are working in that direction to be able to have you back. And uh, you'll probably be getting some phone calls this week, maybe an email, uh, some kind of communication from our church as we look forward to that. And if you have concerns, if you have questions, we want to hear from you and be able to make a plan that allows our church to continue forward with the mission of, of Arise Baptist Church that God has given us to reach the lost, to make disciples, to bring glory to God. And I hope that you'll be a part of that. We have somebody very special today that I want to just take a minute and recognize, and that's Miss Ruth Conover. Today is her 79th birthday, so I don't get to remember everybody's birthday, maybe, but uh, I, I saw her coming up. Facebook reminded me this morning that it was her birthday, and so I wanted to wish Ruth a very happy birthday. We miss you. We love you. We're praying for you and looking forward to seeing you very soon. Before we get into God's Word this morning, let's take a moment to go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to bless our time this morning. Heavenly Father, it is good to be together around Your Word. Thank You so much for allowing us to be able to know Your mind through Your Word. Lord, You created us. You, you put everything together in this world. When you finished, you said it was all very good. Lord, we know that's the only way you could have created it because you are holy and you are good and, and you made a wonderful creation. Lord, it is because of our sin that the curse has come and we must face death. Lord, even during this time of the virus and all the things around us, we are reminded once again of the brevity of life and our need for total dependence upon You. Lord, we are not enough. In fact, without You, we can do nothing. Lord, I pray that You'd help us this morning as we look into Your Word, that You would quiet our hearts, quiet our minds. We just sang it a few minutes ago, Speak, O Lord. We pray that you would speak to our hearts through your word. You've said that your word would not return void. Lord, but we pray that you'd take that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts, convict us of sin, show us areas that we need to change. Lord, we come together today not because we're perfect. We come together today because we need you, and we want to worship you, and we want to hear from you. Speak to our hearts now. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I love Colossians chapter 3. In fact, a couple weeks ago, Easter Sunday, we looked at that first verse. If ye then be risen with Christ. And it's wonderful to think that all of this that we've come to, even clear down through the middle of the chapter where we are this week, we see that all of this is dependent upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I am saved today because Jesus rose again and my faith is in Him and what He did for me on the cross. My relationship with Jesus Christ is dependent on the resurrection that He had over sin and over death. Because of my relationship with God, Colossians 3 continues on and it tells us that there ought to be certain things that are evident in my life. 
Last week we looked at the, 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 those next several verses, verses uh, 5 and 6 and 7, 8, all the way down through verse number 11. We talked about all those things that we needed to put off. We took that idea of it's time to take off the grave clothes. If you're no longer dead, you're alive. Just like Lazarus, when he came up out of the grave and he was alive, they said, take off those grave clothes. Dead, alive people, people that are alive, don't need to walk around in grave clothes any longer. And as Christians, we ought to put off those things, put away those sins of the flesh, put away those deeds. And you say, that's a struggle. It is. But it's possible to continue to walk with the Lord and to grow and to be changed, to be more like Him. Why? Because Jesus rose again. Because Jesus is alive. I can't do this in my own strength. I can only do this through Him. But the Christian life, a relationship with God, is not just about taking things off. Sometimes I think that's how people, people view the Christian life. They think, well, this is all the stuff I can't do anymore. I don't know if I want to even be a Christian. I just you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't go here, can't go there, can't say this, can't say that. That's the attitude of somebody that doesn't understand what it means to have a relationship with a God who loves you. But the Christian life is not about just putting things off. As we continue in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, there are some things that we are to be putting on. It's time not just to put off the grave clothes, it's time to put on your new clothes. Look at verse 12, he says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on Charity, that's love, which is the bond of perfectness. See, the Christian life is not just about what we put off, it's also about what we put on. And when we're putting things on, we need to make sure we're putting on the right kinds of things. There are many people today, even so-called Christians, maybe perhaps even you who is a member and a tender of a Rise Baptist Church, or maybe you attend another church someplace else. And Many Christians, though, tend to think higher of themselves than they ought to. You see, just because we're in Christ doesn't give us a reason to, to boast in ourselves. No, we, we can boast only in Jesus Christ and what He has done for us. Pride is the downfall of many a Christian. There's a story I remember as a boy hearing, and maybe, maybe you've heard this story. It's a, it's a fable, so it's not a true story, but it has, has some truth to it, some great meaning for us. It was written by a man named Hans Christian Andersen, and uh, it was a favorite of ours as little kids called The Emperor's New Clothes. Maybe you've heard that story. Story goes that there was this emperor, he was very vain and very proud, very full of himself, and he liked to change clothes all the time. He would wear different outfits for every hour of the day. 
He was always showing off himself, and he thought very highly of himself. One day, two men, two swindlers, came to the city where this emperor lived, and they had a plan to be able to get some money from this emperor. And so they went to him and they began to tell him about all this beautiful clothing that they could make, that they were the best weavers in all of the world, the best tailors, and they could make these, this beautiful suit of clothing for him. But there was something very special about this suit of clothing. This clothing was so fine, it was so wonderful, the cloth was, was so light that only very wise people could see the clothing. Somebody who didn't deserve their position, somebody who was not a, a wise person, they wouldn't be able to see the clothes at all. And the king, this really stroked his ego, and he thought, well, if I put these clothes on, this will really show who is wise and who is not. Now, of course, the king was right in that statement. He just was wrong in the way that he assumed that this was going to work. And so he paid these men large sums of money and, and they began to weave. They set up a room and they ordered equipment and they put it in there and they would work day after day. And the people that would go in to see them, they could see nothing on the loom. But they were afraid that they would be thought of as, as foolish or unworthy of their position. So they would go back to the emperor and report that everything was beautiful and the cloth was wonderful. And so finally one day the emperor decided to go see for himself. So he goes down to the place where the men were weaving this cloth. And he walks in. And he couldn't see anything. He couldn't see any cloth on the loom. But as he, as he looked around, his advisors seemed to be pointing and saying, Isn't this beautiful, sire? Don't you love this, your majesty? Look at the colors. Look at the designs. This is beautiful. And not wanting to be thought of as a fool himself, he too began to pretend that he could see the clothes. This all went on until one day, and this is how pride works sometimes, isn't it? It, it just leads you down a path until one day, you are stuck and you have no place to go but forward and to own it. And so the emperor went out to have a parade wearing his new clothes. As he paraded through the city streets, people were watching and not wanting their neighbors to think that they couldn't see the clothing and to think of themselves as a fool. They all, one to another, said, Oh, look at him. Look at those beautiful clothes. Look at that suit. Oh, I love the colors. I love the design. Everybody was saying that. Everybody except one little boy who probably had wisdom than all the rest. He, he wasn't ashamed to cry out and to call what it actually was as the king paraded himself around wearing nothing at all. The little boy cried out. He said, but he's not wearing anything. Pretty soon the people began to whisper one to another, you know, I think that little boy's right. And they passed the word one to another and pretty soon the whole town was laughing and jeering and, and scorning this emperor. Why? Because his new clothes weren't really clothes at all. Now as a believer... There are some things we need to be putting on. But I think it's very important that we not put on the clothes that that emperor put on. And, and pretend that, look at us, look what we have going on. Hey, we've got it all together. I'm a Christian. In fact, if we act like that, we might actually be looking a lot more like that emperor than what we ought to be looking like 
based on Colossians 3. Now, in our house, with children, small children, sometimes, mom will go up to their closet and she will pick out clothes for them to wear. Sometimes she'll iron those clothes and lay them out, especially to get ready for a Sunday. Now, a few weeks ago for Easter Sunday, she was ahead of time looking online and shopping for clothes and ordering things in and picking out the outfits and making sure everything coordinated together. In fact, she even picked out a shirt for me. We all had our clothes. We all were going to look really nice, and so... Come Easter Sunday morning, we all went out and we put on our Easter clothes so that we would look sharp and we would look nice together as a family. But if you have small children, you know that sometimes small children don't want to put on their new clothes. Instead, they, Mom, why do I have to wear this? I don't want to wear this necktie. I don't want to put this belt on. I don't want to put these shoes on. Why? Because they just don't want to. They prefer their old clothes, or they, they prefer something different. So in the beginning of this message, I think it's very important for us to see why we should be putting on these new clothes. What does he say here? Look at verse 12. He tells us to put on therefore, and then he gives us four reasons, I, I think, in the next few verses, why we should even put on these new clothes. Why should we be motivated to do this? First of all, we should do this, he says, as the elect of God. We should put on these new clothes because God has made you part of His family. You're part of the family of God. Over and over, this phrase, the elect of God, is used in the New Testament, and it is always used to refer to those who are in Christ. You see, you are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, as a, as a believer, as somebody who has a relationship with God, I ought to be willing to put on these new clothes. I ought to put on what God wants me to put on because I have been made part of the family of God. What a blessing it is to be part of God's family. And we are saved by grace, but if you're looking at Ephesians 2, verse 10 says we're saved to do good works. We're saved to walk in obedience and to follow after God. You should put on these new clothes because you are part of God's family. There was a day... Almost 15 years ago now, June the 18th, 2005, when I stood at the front of a church building. I wasn't the preacher that day. No, the, the preacher was actually standing just behind me to my right. And I stood there that day and I looked down this long aisle. And I really didn't see anybody else in that room except for one person. One young lady who came walking down the aisle in a beautiful white dress. June the 18th, 2005, Shandy and I got married. And you think about it, when somebody comes to a wedding, they dress a certain way. Most people will dress up to go to a wedding, but there's one individual who dresses up more than all the rest, and that's the bride. Why? Why does she dress up that way? 
Why didn't all the other ladies come dressed in white dresses with veils on their heads that day? Why? Because there was only one woman that I was going to marry that day. There was only one lady who would be my wife and we would start a new family together. She dressed a certain way that day because she was going to be part of a new family that day. And we ought to put on the clothing that God wants us to put on as believers because we have been made part of God's family. Now, there might be somebody who's listening to me today and you're not part of God's family. I want you to know God wants you to be part of His family. In fact, He wants it so much that He sent His only begotten Son to die for your sin so that you could have forgiveness and be part of His family. In order to have that forgiveness for sin, all you have to do is accept the gift that He's offered to you. Turn from your sin, confess it to Him, and ask Him to save you, and He will. God is not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. You can be part of God's family today, but you must trust in Him. You must have trust in Him. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. God has shown us great love in making us part of His family. So, reason number one why you ought to put on the new clothes of a believer is because God has made you part of His family. Number two, He says here back in verse 12, notice, put on therefore as the elect of God, we're part of God's family, holy. He's not talking about God being holy, He's talking about us being holy. This word holy means that God has set us apart. In salvation through Christ, we are declared holy. God has set us apart unto Himself. He made us part of His family. And to be made part of God's family is an exclusive thing. One of the things that happens in our world today that people often see and people struggle with is the fact that, well, lots of people claim to be Christians, but there's nothing different about them. It's perhaps because they don't understand that being a Christian is an exclusive thing. You see, there's only one way to become a Christian. Jesus said it this way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can't get to God any other way. Some people say, well, there's the Christian way, and there's the Muslim way, there's the atheist's way, there's the Buddhist way, there's the Hindu way, there's the Mormon way. No, there's one way, and it's through Jesus. Christ alone, plus nothing, minus nothing. It's in Him. We have all that we need in Christ. But in Christ, we've been set apart, been made holy. Think how crazy, how, how sad it would be if a bride and groom came to their wedding ceremony and, and went through and they said their vows one to another only to at the end of the seminary, seminary at the end of the ceremony, leave with other people. 
That wouldn't make sense, would it? For the bride to go home with somebody else other than her groom? For the groom to leave with someone other than his bride? Why would you not do this? Because when that marriage, those vows have been made, this couple has been set apart. They are now a new family. They are now a new unit. They are now one flesh. And to go their separate ways wouldn't make any sense at all. It would fly in the face of everything that they had just promised to each other. Why? Because they've set themselves apart. They've made themselves holy one for the other. And in Christ, when we accept Him, we are to put on the new clothes of a believer. Why? Because we have been set apart. We've been made holy. We've been set apart to God. Oh, He's got lots of reasons for us of why we need to put on these new clothes. Why? Because we're part of His family. And to be part of His family is a special thing. It's being set apart. Just like it's special for my children to be in my family and for your children to be in yours. But that's not the only two reasons. Look, another one. Jump down to verse 13. Look at the end of the verse. Even as Christ forgave you. You see, God made us part of His family. God has set us apart made us holy, and He says that He's forgiven us. Christ's forgiveness is complete. It is final. It is not conditional or partial. You might ask, well, how can a holy God forgive guilty sinners? He's able because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. God made you a part of His family. He set you apart. He forgave you. Now, if you're back in verse 12, you say, you forgot one. I did. (laughs) What's one more reason why we ought to put on these new clothes? What do we have in Christ? Notice right after holy, He says, holy and beloved. We're beloved by God. He loves you. He loves me. When an unbeliever sins, He is a creature breaking the laws of the Holy Creator. When a Christian sins, he is a child of God breaking the laws of his Father. Love is the strongest motivating power in the world. As the believer grows in his love for God, he will grow in his desire to obey Him and to walk in newness of life that He has in Christ. Jesus loves you. Put on your new clothes. You think of that little child as the mother brings him out and says, it's time to get you dressed. I don't want to put these clothes on. Right? Squirming and fighting and kicking and trying to get out. No, child, you're part of my family. It's special. You've been set apart. There's something special to be part of our family. Child, I love you. Oh, and child, when you mess up, I forgive you. What great reasons to put on these new clothes. You have a new family. You have a new purpose. You have a God who loves you. You have sins that have been forgiven. Take off the grave clothes and put on the new clothes. So you might say, okay, I hear it. You've been trying to tell us why we should put them on. Well, what should we be putting on? 
Think about that child. He comes down in the morning and there's, you know, the, the shirt for our boys, a pair of pants, there's, a, there's a, a belt, there's some socks, there's shoes. The other day, one of my boys came running out and he had two different socks on. So what are you doing? Well, I just grabbed socks out of the sock bin. I didn't want to have to match them. All that's important is that you have two of them. They don't have to look alike. One can go to your knee and one can go to your ankles. No big deal. One could be green and one could be purple. Who cares? It's socks. Now, we may smile at that, but a mother, when she sees that child run by in two mismatched socks, says, what are you wearing? Go back inside. Let's get you some matched socks. Why? Because you're part of my family. You represent me. I don't want all the other mothers on the street thinking, boy, that mom, she doesn't even know how to take care of her house. Look at those kids running around with mismatched socks. You see, it matters to a mother what the child wears. Why? Because it reflects on the mother. And it matters to God what His children wear because it reflects on who He is and what He has done for us. So what kind of clothes should we be putting on? Well, He tells us right here. Go back to verse 12. The first thing he says to put on, he says, bowels of mercies. This is to put on mercy. Now they use the word bowels because in this time period, instead of talking about deep emotions coming out of the heart, they talked about them coming out of their bowels, out of that, that deep-seated place of emotion. So he says, put on mercy. We ought to demonstrate mercy, demonstrate compassion to others. To see mercy in action is to watch a sweet mother with her newborn child. The tender compassion is something that believers must be showing one towards another and, and to others in this world. Even in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul tells the church at Philippi, he says this, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ... If any comfort in love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, here he says it, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. He said Christ showed mercy to us, so we ought to put that on and show it to others as well. You see, the things that we're putting on here are things that are making us like Christ. If you go back to verse number 10 in Colossians 3, he says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. If you want to see a perfect picture of what you are to be wearing, of what you are to put on, of what you should be emulating with your life, look to Jesus. Look at him. Consider Christ. Look at how he acted. Look at what he said. Look at how he behaved to the, towards those people around him. And it will tell you how you ought to be looking as well. I remember growing up, you know, getting dressed and going to church. I would, I would look at my dad. I remember when I first learned how to tie a tie. And look at this. I clearly forgot today because I didn't even put one on but I know how to tie a tie because my dad taught me how to tie a tie. I wanted to learn how to tie a tie because I saw my dad putting on his tie. And I wanted to look like him. It's pretty normal for boys to want to look like their dad. Why? 
because they want to be like Him someday. This morning, I was after I got ready, I was helping make sure the kids were ready and Carissa came in and I did the fullest extent of all I could do to help her get ready. I tied the bow on the back of her dress. That was about all I could do. And um, then I said to Shandy, she's ready for you to fix her hair. Why did Shandy fix her hair and not me? Because Shandy fixes her own hair and she knows how to fix a, a young lady's hair, a little girl's hair, and she made it look beautiful and wonderful. If I had done it, she'd have had a nice ponytail. And nice, questionable term, right? But it's beautiful because she did it. Why does Chris want to do that? Because she wants to look like mommy. As Christians, we are to put on what Christ has us to put on. We are to be like Him. Don't, don't treat God like some children treat their mother. Some mothers work hard to dress their children up for a special event. They plan ahead. They pick the clothes. They wash them, iron them, lay them out in preparation. And then some little children are fight their mothers and say, No, I don't want to wear that. I'm going to untuck my shirt. I'm going to run around. Oh, Christian, will you put on the new clothes of righteousness? Have you been forgiven? Does God love you? Are you part of His family? Then put on mercy. But He doesn't stop there. He gives us eight things that we are to put on, and I'm going to move through these quickly. Number one was mercy. Number two, He says to put on kindness. Put on kindness. Ephesians 4.32, it says, and be kind one toward another. Why? Because everybody deserves my kindness? No. Because God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. If you've been forgiven by God, if He's shown His kindness to you, you didn't deserve it. And that person who has done you wrong, they may not deserve it either. But be kind to them because God has been kind to you. He says, put on kindness. He says, put on humility. Humbleness of mind. Our world today admires pride and arrogance. People follow after musicians, actors, and social media stars who are known for their loud mouths and immodest behavior. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter are full of people talking about themselves and making videos of themselves doing terrible things and pranks and poking fun at other people just to get followers and likes. That's not the way of a believer. That's not living like Christ. As a believer, we are to put on humility. Romans 12.3 says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Your pride will never bring you peace. Humble yourself before God. I love what James says in James 4, verses 6 through 8, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace. Unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Put on humility. Then he says to put on meekness. Meekness is not weakness. 
Meekness is strength under control. It is something powerful that has been controlled. A word, this word meekness was used in, in Greek literature to describe a soothing wind, a healing medicine, or a cult that has been broken. In each instance, there is power. A wind can become a storm. Too much medicine can kill somebody. And a horse can break free of its restraints. But this is power under control. A meek person doesn't have to fly off the handle at everything that comes up because God has everything under control. And I can meekly allow Him to control my situation as well. I wonder if you were to be honest, if you were to take a look in the mirror of God's Word today, what would you be wearing? Would you be standing there like that emperor, pretending that he was wearing this nice suit of clothes, but really he's wearing nothing at all? Would you still be wrapped up in your grave clothes from that dead man, and you're now alive in Christ? Or would you be wearing the clothing, the spiritual clothing that God tells every Christian to put on? He says, put on meekness, but he doesn't stop there. He says to put on long-suffering. This word literally means long-tempered as opposed to short-tempered. Do you have a short fuse? Do you quickly fly off the handle at things that frustrate you? When a person is long-suffering, he or she can put up with provoking people and circumstances without retaliation. Long-suffering. Now, there's probably some Bible scholar that's listening today and says, well, Jesus got angry and He cleaned out the temple. He even used a whip. Getting angry at sin demonstrates holy character. But getting angry quickly at wrong things for the wrong reasons or staying angry at someone else is sin. If I don't deal with that anger, it'll turn to bitterness and even worse, sin. He says to put on long-suffering, and then he says forbearing one another. Forbearance. This goes right along with meekness and long-suffering. Forbearance means to hold back. God has withheld His judgment on sinners. The fact that God does not wipe somebody out the first time they sin is a demonstration of God's forbearance. Over and over throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, throughout all of history, to this day, people have sinned, they have broken God's law, and God has been patient with them. How long was He patient with the Egyptians? Some 400 years. How long was God patient with the children of Israel when they sinned? It was multiple different times, but sometimes it was 20 years, sometimes 40 years, sometimes 70 years. All kinds of different time periods. Why? He was patient with them for a long time when they would sin. You can read over and over in the Bible and see God's forbearance towards sin. God is not an angry God who's flying off the handle and just wiping people out for no reason. He is a God who demonstrates forbearance. God has been forbearing with you as well. If God has not immediately passed judgment on you for everything you've done, 
then why are you so quick to pass judgment on everyone else? It's time to put on the new clothes. Now, you might be looking at this list. You see all these clothes laid out for you to put on, and you say, I'm not sure if I want to do that. Do I really have to wear that? I mean, is God going to make me put that on? <laughs> what will my friends think? I come out wearing this. Can't you see some little boy thinking that as he comes to church and think, my mom put me in this bow tie and these little shorts. Doesn't she know that shorts and bow ties don't go together? That's what I think now. But I know little boys, they might look cute in them. She even got my hair slicked over just like this. And she told me I can't run and play with my friends. I don't like these clothes at all. Isn't that how we treat God's things that he tells us to put on sometimes? Well, if I wear this, I'm not going to be able to do anything fun anymore. I'm just going to be all tied up, not going not to be comfortable. It's just going to be hard. Can I remind you that you've been forgiven? Do you remember what you've been forgiven of? Can I remind you that you're now part of God's family? That God has set you apart? Let me remind you that you are loved. That God doesn't want you to put these things on to cause problems in your life. No, He wants you to be His. And He wants you to serve Him. And He wants to fill your life with care and blessing. All of God's blessings don't always feel like blessings to us. But He's helping to mold us and to shape us and conform us into the person and character of Jesus Christ. He says, put on forbearance and then forgiveness. This really is the logical result of all these articles of clothing that we've listed so far. So far. It's not enough just to just to endure grief and provocation, to be patient. I'm going to show mercy. Okay. No. It's not enough to say, I'm just going to refuse to retaliate. Boy, sometimes people take that and they bottle all that up, don't they? I just forgive everybody. and I'm just merciful. I don't say what I think. Boy, if I told them what was really in my mind right now, whoo, I'd let them have it. No, that's why he has this next one. He says, put on forgiveness. Think about it. When God speaks to you as his child, he speaks as a father who speaks in love. He's not sitting up there going, mm, boy, if I told him what I really thought, I'd let him have it. No. If we ask him forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all un righteousness. When He forgives us, He remembers our sin no more. That means He never brings it back up against us again. He puts it as far as the east is from the west. It is Christ-like to forgive. Forgiveness opens up your heart to the fullness of the love of God. Forgive immediately. Forgive them in your heart, even if they don't ask you to forgive them. 
If this person is family, spiritual, or physical family, it doesn't matter, then go to them and seek to help them in love. But forgive. For more information, you can study Matthew 18, 15 to 35. But forgive them and look to restore them. Why? Well, he says it right here. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And then the last thing, the last article of clothing that he tells us to put on. Verse 14, and above all these, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Love is what ties all of these other things together. It's the belt that holds it all up and holds it all together. Love is the first of the fruit of the Spirit that is listed for us. 1 Corinthians 13, it says, And now abide of these three, faith, hope, and charity. But the greatest of these is charity. When love rules our lives, it unites all of these spiritual virtues so there is beauty and harmony. And it brings spiritual maturity. Have you, have you ever seen somebody who got dressed and they put on really nice clothing, but they still look sloppy? That was me this morning. Got dressed, I put on my coat, I came here and I was standing in the back and somebody came up to me and said, Pastor, you got stuff all over your back. And they cleaned me off. I'm glad they cleaned me off so that as you looked at me on the camera this morning, you could see that my back is clean. I'm kidding. I'm glad to, that somebody cared enough to say, Pastor, you look like a mess. Let me help you out this morning. Sometimes we need some help, don't we? And sometimes as we're putting on all these spiritual virtues and forgiveness and forbearance and patience and, and mercy and all these things... It just feels like a lot. How am I going to hold all this together? How am I going to keep all this on? I'm not even sure how to wear this. And he says, put on love. This is the bond of perfectness. This is what holds it all together. So if you're struggling with all the pieces, you're looking and say, that, that's eight things. That's a lot. Put it all together with love. Let the love hold it together. When... Asked what the greatest commandment was, Jesus said this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. And the second is likened to it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. You're part of God's family if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've been set apart. You are loved. And you are forgiven. It's time to put on the new clothes. Lord, help us. Your word is plain. It is clear. And it is sharp. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Help us, Lord, to read your word, consider the truth, and obey it. Apply it to our lives. Lord, I believe there are some here today that may be listening and they, they aren't, have never truly trusted you as Savior. Lord, for that person here this morning, 
work in their hearts. May they turn to you and trust in you for salvation. They could just cry out in prayer to you right now, wherever they are. Lord, forgive me of my sin. Save me. I want to be part of your family. I understand I I can't do anything to save myself. I need you. Lord, save me today. You, You could pray something as simple as that. It's not the words that I said, but it's the heart that desires to trust in Christ and to turn from their sin. Maybe you're saved this morning, but you're not living like it. You still got to put off the grave clothes and you need to put on the new clothes of a believer. Lord, help us this morning to put on these things so that we can not only enjoy the benefits of being clothed in what you want us to wear, but also be able to be a wonderful testimony and a witness of the power of the gospel to change lives. Oh, Father... Forgive us for walking around in in grave clothes like we're not even really alive. And Lord, help us to walk in newness of life, in obedience to You. Thank You for loving us. Thank You for forgiving us. Thank You for making us part of Your family. Thank You for setting us apart. We love You. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank You for being with us today. If we can be a help to you, if we can pray with you about anything, we'd love to do that. We want to be a help. God's Word has the answers. And God's Word can help us as we follow Him. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon. And uh, hopefully you can join us tonight on our Zoom uh, small group Bible study Sunday school time. If you didn't get in with us last week, it's not too late to join. Let me know and we'll get you set up for that tonight. Hope to see you there and uh, Wednesday night as well. And be praying as we look forward to planning and preparing to be able to come back together that God would allow us to do it in a way that will glorify Him and be able to take care of those around us and be able to continue to share the good news that Jesus saves. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining our worship service at Arise Baptist Church this morning. If you've received a special blessing from the message or if you have any questions about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you. We can be reached via email at info at arisebaptistchurch.org or you can connect with us on our Facebook page. We would also encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. All of our services are posted there and we are also uploading devotional content throughout the week. We would also like to invite you to join our Sunday night small group classes. Those are done via Zoom and you can find the link on our Facebook page. Thank you again for joining our service this morning, and we trust that you've received a blessing as we sought to magnify and exalt the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, and have a great afternoon.